Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast and I'm sitting here with Rasmus as usual. We are joined by Joel Hedman today from Ajir, basically, and a <laughs> yes. beer historian. But before we begin, I just want to say thanks to our sponsors, Akrat Elite Hotels Sweden and Bishop's Arms. Hi, Joel. And welcome to Beer Bubbles Podcast. Oh, thank you. Hello. Nice to be here, guys. <laughs> we met in Westeros. Yes, we did. And for those of you who saw the YouTube clip, knows, you guys know a bit about him already. Yep. Um, but for those who don't, tell us a bit about who Joel is. Um, it's pretty simple, although when I try to explain this in a normal format, it sounds a little weird. When people ask me what I do, I go off on a bit of a rant. <laughs> no, not really, <laughs> but I start trying to explain Uh, usually what people understand the most is that I'm a guide. I guide people in Stockholm. I guide people talk about, and I talk about history, but that's not the main reason I'm here today, I guess. I also talk a lot about beer because I'm also, um, well, I've been a home brewer. I've been into beer for, I guess, about 10 years. Um, and I'm a beer judge for the Swedish Home Brewing Association. And as of a few years, I've really gotten into beer and cheese. Um, so I like beer history. Uh, I like Stockholm history. Um, I like beer and I like judging beer and I do a bunch of beer tours and we'll get into that, but I do a bunch Matt, of stuff. You're all over the place. Yes, I know I'm all over the place, but I do what I like to do. But where, where did the, the passion for beer begin? Like what, what was the first interaction with beer? Is it any beer in particular or did you just stumble upon it? I usually start in the other end. I never felt like I liked beer the stuff that people were drinking uh but i got used to drinking the sort of crappy beer that well most people still are drinking uh and i had that for well i, I got used to drinking that beer but eventually i started to notice hey there's other stuff here that tastes a lot better uh but honestly all i sort of knew at that time was that usually when it gets a little darker it has a different flavor to it because everything else was just Lighter and uh, well, uh, mass-produced lager most of the time. So eventually, I got well further and further into it, and uh, I guess just like a lot of people in my generation, got into the IPAs, and then I sort of backtracked from there, and now I'm back in the classic beer styles a lot. So you you're back to drinking good lagers, brown ales, yeah traditional hand pump stuff yeah very much uh, british stuff and uh, a lot of quality lagers i like germany a lot we got we <laughs> gotta say thank you Joel. by the way because uh i called you about <laughs> five hours ago yep. and said you got something to do oh we actually sent a, a small film to you and said yep. uh over instagram and said it Could you join us for a podcast today? And said, well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I figured, why not? Uh, you're a beer historian. Yeah. Uh, and I know that there's not a lot that you... Uh, well, there's not a lot that you don't know about beer history. Nope. I really find it kind of nice with someone who is so un-Swedish in their way of saying, yeah, I know this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, what I need to say, though, is that I usually focus on Sweden. So, uh, and the same thing goes with guiding. I focus on Stockholm. So when people ask me about, I don't know, some other historical event, and they talk about World War II somewhere else, and I'm like, 
No, that's not my focus. <laughs> it's Sweden and so, beer or Stockholm history. So Stockholm is the is the main main inspiration and source for your Yeah, it's what I usually it's more fun with stuff that you can use. So yeah. I do beer tours and stuff like that and the stuff that you can connect sort of back to yourself or back to your own tours or to your own history. I think that's the most interesting stuff. And for those of you who follow us on Instagram, you might have seen Joel liking and commenting. It's uh, the Beer Diary, yes. Öl Dagboken, or Ole Dagboken, as Instagram put it. <laughs> yeah. But you, you, uh, you do a beer tour in the old town. You're going to start a new one now. Yeah, uh, it's actually just uh, around the corner from here. Um, well, among other places, it's going to be starting very soon, and it's going to be called. That's the thing. I'm, I'm not sure yet, <laughs> but either Södermalm Craft Beer Tour or Stockholm Craft Beer Tour Södermalm. So you're probably going to figure or that one out. Beer tour yet untitled. <laughs> yes, beer tour to come. But I, I do one in the old town, which I've done for I don't know five or six years already. And this one, because COVID got me a little, well, idle. And then I figured, let's start doing more stuff. And they asked me maybe five years ago to do a beer tour on Southern Malm. And now, five years later, finally, I'm I'm here. But so. w- with the with the Gamla Stan tour, which or the Old Town tour, which is yeah. pretty much, you've done it for a while. What are some of the places you visit? Uh, well, it, it differs. Uh, for me, it has to do with uh, working with places that, like that I come in there, <laughs> they have to have really good beer. They have to have space. I, I only drink, we only drink uh, Swedish beer for those tours. So I'm talking S- Swedish beer history, uh, and we're drinking only Swedish beers. And I want to go to places that I like. So I'm not just sending people in somewhere where it's, I don't know, uh, just because they can, well, give me beer for cheaper. I want it to be good beer. <laughs> but what is beer history in Sweden? Uh, well, that's the thing. Uh, we had give I'll, us a quick recap of <clears throat> beer's history in Swedish society. Uh, we've essentially always brewed beer here, and we don't know much about what the beer tasted initially. Uh, the the sort of uh, svensk uh, or the traditional beer that we brewed at home. The only sort of documents that we can follow and figuring out how it ta- what it tasted like. That comes from visitors that say either they like it or they think it's horrible. <laughs> uh, but usually it's just divided into different categories in terms of how strong it is. That's the most common, that's the most common thing. Well, no, draw girl from Gotland is one of those examples. Yeah, uh, there, there are a few, like there are a few uh, variations in terms of, uh, of styles. But usually when it comes to other styles, except for Svensk, uh, uh, it's just, it's something that comes from, it's inspired or usually imported, something like that. You get uh, the the good beer that comes from this part of Germany or the stuff that came from, I don't know, from, from well, Belgium or, uh, well, that sort of beer that they brewed when they come here. Well, with the christening of Sweden, you get the monks coming up doing what they did in Europe by then uh, as well. Yeah, we imagine. had, uh, the thing is, uh, when it comes to beer history, uh, they first said that hops came with the monks and the nuns, but that has sort of been, uh, well, debunked now that the Vikings most likely brought back hops already. So we had hops, but hops became more of a prominent sort of um, thing uh, in, in, in Sweden uh, with the monks as well. 
uh, and it sort of took a while for us to catch on with hops. Um, but wasn't it a uh, like a national law that you had to have X amount of yeah. hop plants per acre you, yeah. you farmed for the king? Yes, uh, it goes back to Magnus Eriksson's uh, back in 1300s at least, and then. The one that I usually talk about because I think it's funny is Gustav Vasa because he was really grumpy with the Germans. He already owed them a heck of a lot of money for bringing, uh, what do you call it, mercenaries in to, to mm. fight off the Danes. So he owed them so much money he didn't want <laughs> to give any money off to Germany at all. So uh, he, he said that you, you, you have to grow hops. If you have a farm, you have to grow hops. And 10% of that goes to me. Deal? Uh, and nobody is allowed to drink beer with German hops in it. Except for me, of course. So, oh, okay. right. so uh, he went to the, the fancy places, like at Stutoriet, and he drank a bunch of imported German beers with his friends, but nobody else was allowed to. Um, <laughs> but how, how did it begin for you? Like, uh, be becoming a beer historian very specialized in stockholm for sure but what how did it begin like what what was it that intrigued you to start exploring more well it's just as you said i'm all over the place so i'm trying to i'm trying to sort of gather my interests in one yeah. place so i just figured uh beer history is fun uh because beer is fun uh, i like i like history Um, when I can sort of make it entertaining and when I can connect it to myself and when I can connect it to beer and to myself and still make it entertaining, I really enjoy it. So We, t- we touched it when we spoke in uh, in Vesteros. We touched that Swedes have always drank beer and up until the mid-late 1600s, yeah. you had it with every meal. Yeah, definitely. It's just we started getting a little fancier and drinking a little bit more red wine if you were if you were in the upper like um aristocracy yeah yeah or or uh of course brandvin the 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 heavy booze came around but more 1700s but the brandvin was more more the lower classes that they drank to get drunk to well they lived in misery basically <laughs> yeah, they yeah. probably needed something to take their minds off everyday life yeah but it became very common to drink Uh, drink it for for most people, but but even more, it's it's very much branded as the the sort of lower class drinking drinking the the heavy liquor. Uh, but it was also very much sort of uh, you had a drink for every moment of the day, like the Swedish word for saying first that which is nightcap in English. Uh, <laughs> I actually heard this from Edvard Blum talked about this. Uh, it's actually the other way around. We think that it's the The nightcap in Swedish, when you say yeah. saying first, mm-hmm. but it's actually the other way around. It's the drink that you drink to get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, that's but not even the first one in the morning. They have several in the morning. That so. is also the same guy that mixes the, the spirits from the night before with the cheese, which he melts <laughs> yeah, in the microwave same, and eats guy. because it's hungover. So I'm going to take that with a pinch of salt. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when it comes he, to he's, history, he's actually you know, a great stuff. historian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he, he really is. He should be on the Beer Bubbles podcast. Yeah, yeah I've tried to get him a few times, but he's always busy. Yeah. Yeah. I've but met him a few times, but uh, mm. I want to meet him. But you're you also have a bit of background uh, background in uh, home brewing. You've been doing a lot of home brewing. And yeah, you you, t- you also touched this subject a little bit in the YouTube clip. But I want to go further into that. What made you want to start home brewing, and 
how was that experience for you? Because I hear a lot of different experience from different people when they start homebrewing. It's uh, either yeah. it's just chaos and gross, or it's best. Or as one of my friends put it, every second one is awesome. Yeah, the rest is, you know, pour it out. <laughs> well, the thing is. Um, that was my way of sort of learning uh, how beer works to brew it. And I got really into it for a while. I was brewing with a bunch of my friends. And it turned out one of my friends was just innate, innately really good at it. Whatever he did, it was just great. So when, when he was brewing with us, everything was great. But when I was on my own, it was not as good. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but I still learned a lot. And we, I, I still brewed decent beer by myself. But the thing is, I, I learned that I... I don't need to produce beer. I like to t- I, I, I like to talk, so I want to talk about beer. I want to taste beer, and that's when I, well, sort of kept on going, and, and I became a beer judge, and then I don't. But how, you became a beer judge. <laughs> yes. For the home brewing society or home yeah. brewing yeah, the community, home brewing association. Yeah. I think you'd say but directly. How do you, how do you like get that? Did someone ask you, or did you just uh, go? I want to be a judge at these. <laughs> Homebrewing uh, meats and stuff. Uh, the thing is, um, first, I hadn't heard of it at all. It's not like they're making a lot of... They, they don't announce a lot of that on the radio or on the television or on online or anywhere. Well, they do, but for a very select few. So it's <laughs> it's usually you know somebody who knows somebody. I could I could point out a lot of people that went the to the same course The people who listen to Beer me. Bubbles knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there are people that you would recognize if you know the beer world in, in, in Stockholm. Anyways, uh, I just thought it was fun, and it, beer is sort of uh, an endless pit. You can you you're never done. So I I like that about both beer and history. I would never say that I'm if if I ever say that I'm done that I know everything that I'm lying. <laughs> it's the same when when people tell me uh, they give me the epithet um, beer expert. And I'm like, no, I'm not an expert. Yeah, I've been iffy I'm, I'm when he says learning. beer historian to me, by the way. Well, I, I like beer history. Anyways, yeah, yeah. Was... But so so basic, the home the home brewing part made you realize that you shouldn't be brewing beer. You should be judging beer. Yeah, well, I, I still brew sometimes. It's right. just that I don't. It's it's a bit of, it's messy. I don't know. These you might will, be my will, excuses. Be honest now. There's people out there who brew better beer. You better, you'd rather drink them yes. than brew your own yeah. and drink I know some the things brew, that you produce. <laughs> yeah. yeah, honestly, yes. But the thing is, I mean, some people, they really just want to learn and they want to do it better and they can do the same batch and just tweak it a little bit and do that 100,000 times. I couldn't even do that once. Uh, I just, I'm not that you, methodical. Yeah, so, so it, it takes such a long time to brew beer. But I brewed beer that's good and I've gotten a bit of a... Sort of my my spirit awoke again uh, last summer for my birthday. I wanted to brew beer, and as always, I wasn't really prepared. So it was it was about a month before my birthday, which most people know is not enough time. Um, uh, but then that's, I that's figured, a creek beer. And yeah, don't let it settle. <laughs> so so then I yeah I, I did one with uh, with the quake yeast uh, the the yeah the quake ah, quake yeast yeah, yeah the Norwegian yeast get it done yeast. fast yeah. yeah. So it fermented at about 40 degrees up, <laughs> uh, and that way it was done in like two or three days. So I managed to brew beer for my birthday, and that was a fun experience because I brewed it because I do – I'm not making a 
good. This is not a good introduction to what I also do, but I do the the sort of uh, amateur versions of the home brewing for Restaurant uh, Voss, brewery Voss, a brewery in, uh, in oh, Charles Stockholm. Casino and Charles Casino. Yeah, I do the I do the um, sort of. Um, What would you call it? the amateur the the the, the novice course? Yeah, novice course. Okay. So I, I know enough about brewing to teach people to brew. Sounds like a teacher. If you can't do, <laughs> teach. But no, I <laughs> I can brew decent beer, but I don't have the patience. But it's, for it's it. the same with me. I I I do quite a lot of tasting. Not right now, but I've done quite a lot of tastings over the years, no. and I know enough to sound like I can brew the best beer in the world yeah but don't let me into a brewery please <laughs> no because i know everything how it works what you should do but i haven't got the patience no the thing is i want to drink that beer now if i <laughs> start brewing it now mm. i'll come back two months later and it might be done yeah yeah it's it's a uh, it's way too much waiting we, we need to go from uh, that a little bit because The smell of the things on this table oh, yeah. is actually Some, tantalizing. Somebody I've cut the waiting. cheese in this room. We, we are at Akrat. And Akrat yes. are famous for their lambics. Yes. Uh, and we've got a gers from uh, Lindemans. Not any gers. What's the name of it? You're sitting closest Le to it. Cuvée René. from 2003. Yes. Uh, and we also have three cheeses. And you mm. are a fromager. Yeah, I forgot to mention that part. <laughs> so Talking we, about being scattered. Yes. So we have three <laughs> different cheeses here. Uh, and we're going to blind test. No, we're not going to blind <laughs> test you. Uh, there's a... Um, a comté? Uh, no, it's a... It's a com uh, the first one is a chimay. Oh, oh the, the so chimay cheese. So from, from yeah. the Trappist Brewery, uh, chimay. And the second one is a comté. And the third one is actually a Swedish one. From Jamtland, from Skärbongen, uh, and it's their uh, wash rind uh, yeah. uh, cheese. Good, because I was always uh, almost about to say shit cheese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In Swedish, it is shit cheese. Wash rind cheese. Yeah. So we have that, but since every time me and Rasmus has tried a barley wine yeah. mm -hmm. or barley wine style ale oh. in beer bubbles, we've said... We should have had cheese with this one. And now we're sitting here with the Bigfoot. Yeah, from uh, Sierra Nevada. So it's a ball and wine styled ale. So it's not... A, uh, and every, they, they release one every year. Yeah. And it's one of my absolute favorites. And ball it's, and wine it's style only 9.6%. From, from yeah, do, do they have... I think... Uh, I, I didn't know that California was part of, part of that. But they have to call it style... Barley wine style ale to make sure nobody thinks it's a wine. Mm. No, there I, are a I, few I think states it's, like well, that. It might be that, but it's also a way of differentiating the styles because a British barley wine is not the same as mm. a US barley wine because barley wine style is much more hoppy. Mm. It's it's much more. There's a British barley wine is yeah. sweet and almost jammy. Yeah. While while uh, an American barley wine style is, it still has some hops, and with age, it develops almost port wine notes. Yeah, 
But I would just call that an American barley wine. But yeah, yeah. they they yeah. they often call them barley wine yeah. style. But I th- I think it goes back to the anyway. We don't have to we don't have to get stuck in but, that. But <laughs> you will. you got a knife. Cut us three little pieces of every of, uh, which cheese you go. would like to begin with. I think we, there we go. should start with the. Uh, this was the. Um, that's the chimay. Okay. Um, that's I'm not also sure the about chimay. That's the comté. That's that's the carbongen. Okay. So that's well, the chimay. That's the comté. Yeah. Let's cut some pieces out of it. Yeah, that was. That was a potent one. That's the same, I think. No, that's that's no. the chimay. That's chimay. It, it was uh, a little lighter on the nose, anyways. Mm-hmm. So I might start there. Okay. Well, right, yeah. cut us some pieces, and we'll try it with the beer. Well, cheers, guys. Or cheese, guys. Cheese, guys. You guys are starting with the sour, I'm imagining. Yeah, yeah I did. Yeah. Not the perfect combination between those two. The cheese kind of disappeared. <laughs> the cheese is really mild. Yeah, yeah. it's a very Really mild laid cheese. back. Um, yeah. And it's kind of, uh, I wouldn't say killed, but the... the the tartness of the beer mm, yeah. actually takes away some of the the funk. Yeah. yeah. The, the the funk in the beer and the funk in the cheese yeah. is not really working together. No. I I usually do if if there is a style that people have a hard time swallowing, like mm. sometimes sours, mm. if you use a cheese that would sort of mellow it down a little bit, that wouldn't be something you want to do with people that really like the style, but if you want to get people to Except the style, you just bring in a cheese to sort of bridge the gap. Oh, a okay. Bit. Yeah. So this might work if you don't like the sours that much. <laughs> but yeah, well, no. If you I, do, I, then I it agree. doesn't work. But it's mm. great cheese and great beer. <laughs> I, I think uh, my, one of my absolute favorites with uh, with most sours, especially the the Belgian ones, um, is uh, Brilat Savarin. Because it's so the white fat little puck. and it yeah. really builds in them. It has a little tartness in the background, uh, and it's really, really creamy and silky, and just sort of yeah. It has a little funk to it as well. <laughs> uh, the Briat Savara is one of my yeah. absolute favorite cheeses. Mm. Uh, let's try, try with it the with the barley yeah. wine as well. Yeah. All right. Cheers. Just wanted to say, I usually start. I like to get a little bit of the beer in, in the mouth first, sort of as a well. As an idea, it was a much better combination than the yeah. the first one, and especially when you get the rind as well. Mm. Yeah, I didn't get much rind in this one. Yeah, the You're rind right. was usually really good with rind, the barley. Rind brings in a little bitterness mm. to it, and so it sort of yeah pairs a little better. Should we move on to the next cheese? Yeah. Yes, one of the big classics. Yes, definitely. To me, I'm not sure how old this one is though. Uh, should I just cut it like that? Yeah, sure. Something like this. Somebody gets a centerpiece. My <laughs> wife in my wife's family, that was not allowed. You weren't allowed to take the best piece of the cheese, so you had to cut it the right way. <laughs> my family, we didn't really care about that. You just whoever started. I'm grab one. that one with it. Yeah, you you'll get a centerpiece. Yeah, you're yeah. Yeah. I did a little hint in the beginning. That's how. Uh, anyway, I, I regret. Give me I think I think, <laughs> I think this will work better with the sour beer. Yeah, because it's got more saltiness. It's got yeah. more, more body. Yeah, it mm. is. Uh, the nose is fantastic. Buttery. Um, I like this type. I've actually the the funny thing about this style of of, of cheese is the sort of um, I don't know how you say that Alp, 
sort of cheese. These yeah, the types. Gruyere, the yeah. Appenzeller. The yeah, but the the English word or the English speaking word for 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 the whole region. Anyways, you okay. get what I mean. They they can work with such a variety of beers, and they usually want to pair best with the malt malt flavors. Mm-hmm. So if these are really sort of a uh, little burnt, sort of buttery, that sort of more more aged, I like them with with um, more like a even with a medicine, for example, darker little roasted meeting up a little roasted malt all the way through to a really roasted beer uh, like a double bock for example uh and then all the way up to a lot of types of ales they have they have such a variety and it depends on how it smells how powerful like Vermoisette, they are. really so this is not old it's it no. can't be more than tops a year hmm. yeah something like that uh but it's but it's also might still be slightly too cold but it's um also still quite springy and in terms of, uh, <laughs> I realize people aren't watching me, but in terms of pushing it together, it still sort of hold, holds together a little back. bit. It bounces back. Yeah, it bounces back, yeah. All right, I'll have a bite. Mm. It actually works really well with the sour beer. It yeah. does. It combines instead of... I felt almost like a tart note in the background of the cheese. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that it's young makes it a little bit more... Uh, instead of being salty and rich and buttery, it goes a little bit more towards uh, like, like a slight tartness. That's sort mm-hmm. of the the pair as well. But it's not. It's still not a smash hit for me. I don't know no. about you guys. I'm gonna try it with the barley one as well. Cheers. Yeah. And you can't see us, but we're really enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> Much better combination, I think. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I, I don't think they're they're not enemies. But they don't work <laughs> at the same time, really. But they go together really well. So I think if you had a, a more aged version of this cheese, I really think they would have gone more head-to-head and met up somewhere in the middle and had a really good time. <laughs> I do not explain this. A rave. <laughs> yeah, they would have had a rave together. Definitely. Great. Should we move on to the third cheese? Yeah, and no, I think now there's going to be some more stuff happening just from smelling it. Um, so this is from Jamklam, a cheese recalled Skärvången. Yeah. And it's their wash rind cheese, just as the uh, first one. Yep. But I think this will be a bit more potent. Yeah, uh, just being close to it, I smelled it was a lot more potent. And, you know, <laughs> it gets, sticks to your fingers in a way that I really enjoy. I just want to I wanna give you a nice anecdote that m- might destroy cheese for you, this type of cheese for some of you for the rest of your lives. But I still think it's funny <laughs> for the, the the cheese course that I did, uh, the the education for uh, uh, fromager. I um, I did this with a, a guy who was a, um, a chef, really really well educated, and worked in phenomenal restaurants. But it seemed like he had a bit of a shady past. <laughs> so um, like all the other chefs, <laughs> <laughs> might be. I, I don't know that many chefs, but anyways, he said that this type of smell. Reminded him of the smell of dead bodies. <laughs> when it's a really potent... Okay. <laughs> so he, he sort of knew. And I'm, I did not want to ask the... the, the well, follow-up yeah, question. Yeah, the follow-up question. <laughs> how do you know? <laughs> uh, probably a smart idea not to ask him. <laughs> uh, either well, way, cut it I don't want to know. Old. Yes, let's, let's <laughs> cut the cheese, everybody. Let's cut the dead bodies up for yeah. us. <laughs> That's my favorite cheesy joke. <laughs> Cut the cheese. 
in a room full of crackers, or I might cut the cheese. Anyways, I figured I'd cut this, this if you want a little bit more of the rind. Mm-hmm. So I cut it this way this time. And you guys can choose whichever one you want. I'll I'm not going to steal. Yeah, the best one. Look like the biggest one. <laughs> and I'll, I'll take the center oh, one this again. This, this, no. this, I'll take the small one then. Yeah, so this is really, really sticky, the it's type of cheese. Here. Yeah, it's... Um, that's a funny thing when you look at the way you, you judge cheese. <laughs> quite similar to, to beer. You, I mean, you have the... Um, Similar ways, but you also have to talk about rather than the appearance of a beer, you look at a cheese and you you see what the um, the sort of yeast holes, the, the little yeah, the yeah, little, yeah. You, you look about uh, that and you look at how the, the small air pockets basically yeah, in the cheese and, and the surface of the cheese. And then, as I talked about a little bit before, the the if it's springy, this is not springy. And I think if you give it a few more hours in room temperature, it's not going to be float springy. away, kind of like a dead body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's this podcast got dark. It's, yeah, yeah. it's got quite a heavy you ammonia. Said it was 18 plus huh? ammonia aroma. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. But personally, when it comes to really potent beers, um, I like potent cheeses uh, even more than I think I like potent uh, potent beers. Yeah, potent beers. Yeah, let's try it. Okay, yeah. My bet is on the barley one, but we'll see. Let's see. The funk from the cheese yeah. actually mellows down and becomes something really pleasant yeah. in the afternoon. Yeah, this is a good way. This is uh, the best way to bridge the gap for the cheese. If you think this cheese smells too bad, you bring in this beer. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really... It, it gets a lot more mellow. Um, and you have that uh, a little sweetness left and just a, a light little saltiness and sort of... Yeah, it, it feels a lot more acceptable, but you still know that you've had um, a really. You can feel it in your in your mouth that it's a stinky cheese that you've just had, but you don't know until afterwards. You know, it's, <laughs> it's stuck in there. But I feel the beer beer dies a little bit with the cheese. Doesn't yeah, it really does. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna try it with the barley wine as well. Yeah, exactly. I think this might be the winner. Oh yeah, there we go. Mm. The roast. Here we are. Yep. Thank you very much. Thank you. That'll be all. Mm. Uh, that's, um, it for the, that's it for this podcast. <laughs> the roasty, the roasted notes. This is something I feel with the comté. If it's more aged, I think it usually it, it goes mm. together a little bit like this. It harmonizes. That was the word I was trying to use before. Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't <laughs> oh, ready okay. for this <laughs> for this podcast, so I didn't I didn't prepare on the words. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it harmonizes really well with a little bit of uh, roasted roasted malts and hops. Actually, the bitterness mm. and roasted the sort of sharper they sort of go head to head with the mm. with the cheese. This cheese needs something that stands up to it. Yeah, That's yeah. the thing. You can eat it by itself, but if you drink something with it. Mm. You really need something that stands up to the mm. flavors. Yeah. You can mess with the program as much as you want, man. Uh, vi slutade med egentligen att vi prövade det här tillsammans med skärmången. Ja, jag, jag får igång samtalet igen då. Um, we've just tried some cheeses. Cece have just oh, been... Oh, Jesus. Uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> CC is here again. <laughs> CC is back <laughs> well, I didn't from say other is. business. <laughs> But <laughs> I, no, we're back from I trying re- I recapped the uh, YouTube interview before we did this podcast, and you said uh, being a beer judge has just gotten worse and worse. 
<laughs> Please explain yourself. <laughs> no, but how how has it changed from the beginning to to now? Doing the the period thing. How, what do you mean worse? I I mean I just mean that that's I'm, your words, not mine. I, I think I just got <laughs> deeper and deeper in the beer, so that would be that would be a positive worse. Um, <laughs> it just feels like it's an endless rabbit rabbit hole that you just you're never done with beer. Judging beer in uh, Vesteros, that was my first judging of a beer event. Yeah, I've tried shitloads of beers before that yes uh, and also done like big tastings yeah. but not as a judge no and i must say especially one style i've got a problem with trying it because it's quite a big style right now and everything smells and tastes the same are you possibly talking about the ipas <laughs> uh, could i oh, especially the the hazies no. Yeah. Uh, I've judged uh, for the national competition. I've judged the, the, the class that is the, uh, that is the IPA class. I've judged that twice where it's like uh, at least 100 IPAs, but then you spread it out over two days. But still, it is, it's tiring uh, to do that. And you get a little, I don't know. Me and a friend, we got a kind of a thing to explain it. We, we call it Hopstide. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, and then we go and have a Jack and Coke or a gin and tonic, uh, and we're we're okay again. Yeah. But, but uh, from time to time, especially with those like late hop varieties that yeah. almost have no bitterness at all, it's kind of clogging for for your palate if you yeah. try lots and lots. Yeah, it's like a very spiced dish in a way. It just sort of it, it gets really tough. Um, but as a as a beer historian, what's your take on why does everybody love the New England style IPAs? Why is that such a big trend compared to the West Coast IPAs and the classic ones, which beer geeks I, tends to strive towards more than the the regular beer drinker? Yeah, I think it just means it's just uh, sort of slightly familiar uh, and. Well, mild in the way that it's nothing, nothing extreme in terms of bitterness, and it's something different. I think uh, the diff- its refreshing and. Is it to that punch. people who don't like bitterness still wants the flavors and the aromas? Or well, honestly, this is something you just—you have to guess. This is a more modern day, um, but but I mean, and I believe that it—it's just. It's something that's closer to juice, for example. It's something that's refreshing, closer to a, a light drink or something that you would get. It, it, I think it includes a lot of people in the beer world. So it could be that these are actually not the ones who drank beer from the beginning. This is their way into drinking yeah, beers. I think so. Yeah, I, I think it really opens doors. And I know there are people that think that this is not true. But for me, at least, it's sort of open the door to because because I, I i wasn't subtle enough to realize there was a difference between uh like a quality german lager and uh Blue before i became a beer judge or before i really educated myself for me they were too similar somebody needed to sort of break the mold and do something completely different but then ipas like yeah west coast i wouldn't say, i can't say traditional ipas because like american no. ipas West Coast style. Yeah. Is it okay to judge them as the same style 
that a juicy IPA is. No, because it, it's two different beers, in my opinion. Yeah, that, that's the, that's. I think that's that was a problem for a long time because we did not have we did not have the the uh, well New England or the juicy juicy or we did not have that style at least in it wasn't Sweden. An official style. No, un, until uh, I forget how many years ago. But I have judged uh, I have judged the IPAs for for the national competition twice, and one of those years, or maybe both of those years, they did not have the New England style, which meant that when you we talked about this, I forget if it was on the air or off the air, but we talked about following what's going on. It's like new music versus old music. Yeah. It's like a lot of things are happening. Uh, under the surface a lot of the time. So I was judging these IPAs with one young gentleman <laughs> and some less young gentlemen. <laughs> and they, uh, most of, the, most of the, uh, the older ones, they were like, this is not even close to an IPA. And they gave them like 20, 20 points or maybe somewhere so above a, that. So it's a question of generation as well, like yeah. what you're used to. Yeah, but they're also correct because I'm supposed to judge the beer according to the style. But I felt like... This is what IPAs are, and it was well produced. So for me, I felt like I wanted to give Ambival- it a higher... Uh, ambivalent a bit. Yeah, I was mm. a little ambivalent. Uh, amb- ambivalent. But anyways, but now when there is a style, there is definitely difference. And you're still supposed to judge it according to the style guidelines. But I mean, it just feels wrong. Imagine you have, and this has happened many times, and it, I hate it every time. You have the perfect example of a beer, of a beer style. And it's just phenomenal. It is the best you've ever had. But somebody misread the, the style guideline and, the, and they posted it in the wrong style. So, yeah. And that's, that's the difference also between beer and wine. Because with wine you have all these laws, you have all these uh, rules that have, you have to do this and this and that for, for it to be this yeah, to label it this way. But it's the same with beer. But you don't have that it as much as with wine. It is the same with beer, but, but the thing is, the regulations aren't really keeping up okay, yeah. with yeah, exactly. what the market is doing. But with wine, there is. And with wine, you can't go out of the box as the same, because the, the wine loss has been there for so long. Which yeah, is it's only that. worse for the wine people, because... People, mm. when people stop thinking outside of the box, yeah, but, you get a stagnant uh, market. But at the uh, same time, when you start judging a regular uh, or a, a West Coast IPA in the same category as a New England style IPA or as an IPA, it's like it's basically if you would have a, have a I don't know a stout and a lager in the same category. It's they're two completely different beers. Yeah. Just sort of defend myself. I, I still gave it a lower mark than I should have, or than it would have been granted if it would have been the correct uh, class. Yeah. Uh, and when it comes to homebrewing, usually you want to encourage people and you want to make sure that they sort of get tips mm. to know what they've done wrong. So there, it doesn't really matter the points in this case. They still wouldn't win. You just write. You've done a phenomenal job. You just didn't do it according to what we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but ne- yeah, definitely. Next time, enter it as this. Yeah, <laughs> that's what. Usually, that's what we write. It, it would have been a phenomenal this uh, such and such. You know, I, once and that was a, a great surprise, and I was very happy when I judged the IPAs. One of those years, um, I've got I got a, a blonde right in the middle. Imagine you're sitting and you you have the same. And the problem with homebrewed beer is a lot of people think. 
Like all my buddies. More is more. Yeah, well, that too. But a lot of people might have tried their beer and they thought it was great. You should you should enter in a competition, and they do. Four months later, you know, and yeah. so uh. ty- tired hops was a re- recurring theme. It's like Americans got talent, but beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they were. You a should lot do of, it. You're there were great. a lot of beers that were, you know, tired. So it was very easy in that sense. Mm-hmm. You just sort of sniff it, and then you know, okay, it's it's tired, and then you sort of anyway. But that that was quite fun when we did the beer judging in Vesteros, because after every flight, it was a quiet tasting of course we um. we tried it blind we tried it for ourselves but every time they sent out a tray yeah. we got a chance to talk a bit about the beers yeah i tried to initiate that because we, with uh with the home brewing scene you talk about every beer mm-hmm. and you do that for a few minutes so you sit silently and then you talk about every beer i understand why we didn't do that that day because, because we tried 200 beers yeah, in one day. <laughs> it would it would have been a very long day it still uh, was. Yeah, it was still a very long day. So, but I like that because I learn a lot, especially when I'm talking to some of these legends that I'm sitting next to and they're like, this is wrong because of this and this and this. And that's why you have four judges or at the very least three because we have different palates and we have different problems. Like th- there is, for example, diacetyl is something that a lot of people notice but not some or this has fusel there's alcohol. A, there's, a, there's also... Uh, different tolerances. Yeah, yeah, that's like what some, I'm... Some people have like <laughs> yeah. quite a high tolerance. Yeah. Some have a low, but but there's the entire spectrum between as well. Mm. Definitely, yeah. That's that's what I was trying to say. That the <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I, just, I wasn't getting the right word out. Um, I've been speaking Swedish for too long. <laughs> Come but on, tourists. <laughs> please join me. I've I'm, I'm going to rewind the tape okay, yeah. back a bit and, and get... Back to the the Stockholm beer tour, which you're doing in the Gamla Stan and soon Södermalm. Yes. Where the fuck is our invitation? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm y- asking that as well. You have an open invitation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. No, we have to, we have to do a. Me and Cisa has been talking about this since uh, Cisa went to West, uh, Westeros without me. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I know you like that pronunciation. Yes, Westeros. Yeah. That's why they did. Westeros. <laughs> yes. No, you went to Westeros without me. Uh, I'm not bitter about that at all. Your new he's, he's not he's not bitter about me going about to it. Ninas <laughs> without him either. No. God damn it! There was one during the live stream today. You mentioned both Westeros and Ninas Hamn. I'm like, I'm not in any of those episodes. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, but, man! <laughs> I mean, imagine what it's like for me. This is my uh, my second second time I'm in the in the podcast overall. Yeah. You've been in a lot more than that. Two, there are two of them that you're not in it. And I'm only in two altogether. So. <laughs> you still win. <laughs> okay. Okay. I know sure. what, you know what? He doesn't Fair feel enough. better about that anyhow. <laughs> no. he's, he's, he's a greedy bastard. Yeah. Uh, okay. um, <laughs> no, but we, we love the idea that we're going to do something soon. And I think we're going to try to do probably kind of a live recording with yeah, me and, and a gimbal. And, and we'll talk a bit about like do shots. Do shots and... And you're not talking about alcohol shots. Just, yeah, yeah, we'll just, do some shots. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do shots of you. It's, uh, uh, yeah. it's, just, uh, it's a photo shoot yeah. of you. Yeah. Rasmus, uh, you will. I want to keep this moving forward. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to ask the, the next question. And uh, this is kind of a tough one. 
Uh-oh. Even though I said there are not going to be any tough questions in this podcast. And it's, uh, what is your favorite beer and cheese combo that we've tried so far? It's so difficult to, to pick one. I have a few that I just always know they work on everybody every time. Uh, but okay, I'll, I'll try to think about the one that I usually crave. Well, we, we talked about the Brilat, uh, the Brilat Savant, my, my friend. Brilat Savant. Uh, that one with a um, preferably relatively fresh uh, German uh, Weiss beer. Oh, cool. It works just mm. as well, uh, I think, with the sour, uh, and I usually do the the bon, the um, their odgus, um, mm. or I do uh, or I do a German Weiss beer with that one. Sounds delicious. Uh, so you know you're gonna buy a Briat and drink with your mariage parfait that you got from me. I have a mariage parfait 2009 in my fridge. I'm pretty sure that's gonna work wonders. I think that was uh, partly. With, with the the sour that we had today, I think that the sweetness, the residual mm. sweetness, might have sort of messed around a little bit with some of the cheeses. Oh, we talked to you on but when he came in, he poured it for us. Yeah, I'm so sad we didn't get a picture yeah. or, or like he, film he do, of that. He doesn't want to be on camera. That, so that is no. fantastic when he mm. he pours that beer. It's like yeah. ah. But he that also talked about Lindemans and their sweet because they're famous for the sweet and sours. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> just, just to clarify, sweetened sours, not the sweet not and <laughs> sour, <laughs> yeah. sweet and but they're a sweet and sour oh. as well. But anyways, mm. uh, yeah. and uh, he talked a bit about that. Even their like dry sours mm. get a bit of the fruit notes from what they do in house because the yeast, the house yeast, actually gives a bit of that back to the beer anyhow. And that's kind of cool. Yeah, that was that was a really interesting piece of information for me, anyways. And if you want to know more about lambics, go speak to Johan at Akrat, because <laughs> definitely he knows his stuff. But we haven't said cheers in ages. No, cheers. Okay. He has, he has drinking any. Uh, I've, I've been drinking cheers. silently ah. in my own corner. <laughs> we haven't mentioned what we're drinking today as, as well. Well, it is uh, a beer from uh, Smith Street. Shout out to Bjorn. Yep. yep. He sold uh, <laughs> at least partially upwards. Yep. And he's now doing a small side project called Smith Street. He just want to relax. Smedgatan is yeah. where it's located. That's why it's ah, called Smith Street. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we're drinking the Keller beer, which is phenomenal. Yeah, it is. Yes. Uh, we judged this beer uh, in, I'm going to say it again, in Vesteros. <laughs> <laughs> Westeros. No, but I, I, I realize that's the first time because we got to see some of the bottles afterwards. Uh, and that was there. It was the first time I, I saw the logo. So, I think no. I judged it quite highly. Uh, yeah, I, I only remember it being a few uh, beers of the, the Keller beer style. And I remember judging. Anyways, I remember liking uh, the, the Keller beer that we had. And um, most likely it was this one. <laughs> there were a few. I think there was two Schwickles and three Keller beers in the tasting. So. Yeah, there you go. I think this probably got the highest marks yeah. from us all. Since last time you were on the YouTube channel, what exceptional beers have you tried? Oh, uh, that was a difficult one because I've tried many exceptional beers. Um, Top three. <laughs> okay, let's see. It doesn't have to be first-time beers. Like no. I've tried mm-hmm. the, the, the one of the, the Saison from um, 
I don't know why I'm spacing Dupont? out. Yeah, of course. The, uh, what's what's it called? The the one. Saison de Pont, the dry hop one. Yeah, right? they're they're, they're mm. a special version of it. That's the one I remember having most recently, uh, and I had I had it blind as well, which was good because that way you know what you really think about it, and it was mm. just phenomenal. I want to th- come up with something less. Have you expected. tried anything Swedish that that just stands out that was new for you as well? Let's see. How long ago did we? This was <laughs> did we go two or three months ago, right? Uh, January, February, something. February, I think. <clears throat> February must be yeah. February. Let's see what I've tried. That was Swedish. I tried quite a lot of Swedish stuff. It's just uh, you know, I'm not very good at remembering on the spot. <laughs> um, I'm not sure this was if I had had this before when we well since we met last, but. Vreta uh, Kloster, they're uh, up to 12, they're Abedissan uh, 12, that's just, that really blew me away when I had it. I think we tried it at the uh, Uppsala Drikas Festival and we all marked it extremely high. Yeah, Because yeah, that was, I, I couldn't believe, because I think it said it wasn't up 12 as well, yeah. and I couldn't believe it wasn't a traditional Belgian up 12. It just had, it hit all the notes. Yeah, that that's the way uh, that's the way I felt about it as well. I, I had it uh, next to a, a Chimay Blue, and it was still you know it was still fighting, S- still up there. Yeah, <laughs> so that that's just for me that was just phenomenal that it manages managed to be that that good. Joel, we're getting closer to the end of the episode. Is there anything else you want to? Tell us about yourself, what you have coming up that you want to share with the, our audience. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I could say, first of all, that if you want to check out my tours that I do, uh, I have a homepage that I don't do much with. So most stuff goes through other people, but I have youwillhedman.com if you want to see what I'm doing. Uh, but my tours are through Our Way Tours. Uh, Our Way Tours, they have uh, a bunch of beer tours through me that I do. Uh, but they're a little better at reaching people. I'm better at talking to people. <laughs> well, I'm <laughs> better at doing what I do, and they do the stuff around that. But uh, as of late, I've started to do more stuff by myself, which means I've been doing uh, digital tastings as well. So now I've been sort of up on Facebook a little bit more. Uh, so find me on Facebook. I'm Yuvel Hedman, and you will find Yuvel Hedman, Ölprovningar, and Guided Tours, Yuvel Hedman, so the the one I want to mention, just try to get my point, is uh, I'm going to do a historical uh, beer, a historical beer tasting, uh, historical Swedish beer tasting on the 19th of, of June, a digital one. So uh, we're going to go through a little bit of the, the tastes and the flavors of, well, what, what beers would have tasted like in Sweden historically. But then if you... Uh Sign up for it. It costs a hundred kroner. Yep. Uh, but you buy your beer yourself. Yep. So you have so to make order sure it. you're checking it out early, so you can actually yeah. get the beers. Uh, six working days in advance, and then you should be safe. So. We'll we'll leave all the links you will want us to leave in the description and everything like that. But I'm gonna leave or end the podcast with the last question. Since you are a beer historian. What time would you want to travel back to and try the beer from that time? Oh, that's a that's a difficult one. But I don't know. I'd really like to try 
what the what the import beers would have tasted like like 1500s 1600s and also their uh, our own beers like how off were they uh, <laughs> i want to know but another period that i'm really interested in trying is to see when we brewed our first lager beers middle of the 1800s uh, when we started making lager beers a lot of them right around the corner from where we are right now in southern malm when they brewed uh, Bavarian or Bayerstahl, which is coincidentally the origin of the Swedish word for more bash. Of a, more of a dunk, dunkel. Yeah, mm, well, yeah, it was somewhere between a Merzen and a dunkel. Uh, I've asked Janko about this, uh, what he would say. He would say it would be a Merzen, but they probably roasted the, the, the malts a little bit more. So, yeah, a, a dark Merzen most likely. But anyways... I would have liked to try because that really revolutionized the the, the beer sort of history in, in, in Sweden. I want to know if they're close to what the Metzen is today or a Dunkel for that matter. And in Stockholm, there was like a shitload of breweries at that time. Yeah, and they're all more or less connected to the same family. <laughs> same uh, German family that brought back like cousins and everybody and they started breweries all over the place. Mm. But you will thank you so much for joining the Beer Bubbles podcast. It was a pleasure having you here in advance of what we were thinking, because this was a spontaneous episode. CC, this has been an absolute pleasure. And whatever you do, drink, drink better beer. beer.